Good enough to lift the third of our cleat. Watch it, jerk. Shut up, idiot. Moron. Jab ear. Watch this. Hot liquor. Fart smeller. <laughs> you eat dog crap for breakfast, geek. You mix your weed with your mama's phone jam. Yeah. yeah. You bop grapples in the toilet. And you like it. You play ball like a girl. Oh, my, 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 my. Those are fighting words indeed. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to that cozy little corner of cyberspace we call the Sunday Night Sandlot, brought to you by SoCalledFantasyExperts.com. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, and I would like to welcome you aboard for what we hope will be an entertaining and informative 60 minutes of fantasy baseball news and analysis. This week, we are going to be talking about some pitchers, specifically some pitchers that you might want to think about targeting as buy-low candidates. Their numbers are kind of so-so, but some of the sabermetric data that is out there, specifically something called FIP, indicates that they are pitching much better than their numbers show and are probably due for a bounce back which, of course, you will be able to reap the benefit of by trading for these players while their fantasy value is at its lowest. We will get to that right after we take a look at the latest news. So if that sounds like a good time to you, then pull up a chair and let's talk some baseball. It is time to introduce my counterpart here in the Cyber Studio, the co-founder of SoCalledFantasyExperts.com, a veteran of the fantasy sports industry who has been playing fantasy baseball for over 20 years. He is currently in charge of aggregation efforts at the Fantasy Sports Network and is also a member of the inaugural Tout Wars X League. Please say hello to the Roto Daddy himself, Mr. Doug Anderson. Doug, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing well, and it's funny that you mentioned that Tout Wars X because if you check the standings for this month, there's there's a pretty cool guy who's at the at the top of the standings. Is that right, Douglas? Would that be you, sir? Yeah, it would. Well, actually, this morning I checked. I haven't checked today, but as of this morning, I was in the lead for this month. I finally cracked the code. Well, to, to what is there a player or group of players to which you owe your success? See, what you need to do is you need to pick the players that are going to do well that month. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> if and, and and folks, if you're listening and you're not sure, the Tout Wars X uh, format is a little bit different than just a standard roto. It is uh, rotisserie, but it is with a few variations on the categories, and it is based on a salary cap uh, structure. So you have uh, that was it three hundred dollars to actually yeah, put eight. into your roster. Right? Yep, every month $300, and you have uh, 32 roster spots, uh, standard uh, 14 hitters, nine pitchers active at a time. But it's kind of like a, uh, I don't know if it's either a season-long game scrunched into a month, or it's a daily game stretched out to 30 days. I haven't figured that out yet. Well, sometimes the trick is that players who have kind of been underachieving, and this kind of dovetails with what we're going to be talking about tonight, players that have been underachieving can be had at a pretty reasonable salary cap number going into the next month because this is a series of one-month games. And I can tell you one in particular who has been going really, really well, who was probably available for cheap, is Albert Pujols. He was kind of, what was he, 250-ish going along. Well, he's been on a tear lately, but I know in Ron Chandler's regular 
salary cap game, you could buy Albert Pujols for $13. So that's the, that's the key. So, Doug, I think you've hit on it. You pick the players that are going to do well. Yeah, if, if, if only it were that easy for everything. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wait, it is. Now let's talk about how we can tell who's going to play well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But folks, if you are listening to us live tonight and you would like to share your thoughts or ask a question of either myself, Doug, or our very special guest who we'll be introducing a little bit later, please feel free to do so. We have skilled, courteous, and highly underpaid operators who will be doing their very best to make sure your questions and comments are shared on the air. Doug, some news this week, uh, some sad news, actually. We lost a, a couple of, of uh, legends. Uh, first of all was Sir Christopher Lee, who was a great actor, known uh, for, of course, playing Count Dracula and, and several famous movie villains. In more recent years, uh, Count Dooku of the, uh, the Star Wars series and uh, Saruman in the, uh, uh, the uh, Lord of the Rings. A uh, gentleman with just an amazing uh, acting resume, uh, a true film legend. Uh, Doug uh, Christopher Lee, do you see any of his films? Well, yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen the Star Wars stuff, and of course the Lord of the Rings, and uh, it, it, it's just one of those actors. I don't know if he was ever a huge star, but one of those actors who's in so many things you didn't know that's who it was. It's that guy, and. Uh, you know, I, I think he got better as he aged because the most recent stuff, it, it seemed like roles that were just made for him. Right. The the leading man, and as a matter of fact, his autobiography, and I'm, I'm coming off the top of my head here, was written back in the 70s. I think it was called Tall, Dark, and Gruesome or something like <laughs> that and because that was what he was. He was the villain. He was not the leading man who rode into town and, and slayed the dragon, saved the princess. That was not Christopher Lee. He he actually played a um, uh, didn't he play a, a villain in a in a Bond movie also, but he was an extraordinary villain. And that that amazing voice of his. And if you get the opportunity, uh, the the uh, the classic um, Edgar Allan Poe piece of the Raven. Sir Sir Christopher Lee did a reading of that. That's on any of the video sites that are out there. That was just uh, just amazing. Just just that voice was. Uh, was quite something. So it's an extraordinary loss there. And uh, uh, rest in peace, Sir Christopher Lee. Uh, Doug, uh, we lost another legend this week too. Somebody that you might remember. Does the name Virgil Runnels mean anything to you? It does to me, and I I, I know all about it. And uh, ever since I was a child, I've watched Virgil Runnels or <laughs> Dusty Rhodes wrestle. Dusty Rhodes. And uh, if you're a, actually, I think at the time when I was watching him, I called it wrestling. So it, it went well. And uh, it just seeing him pass away, and it's just a reminder of the childhood that you're getting older. But he was such a, you know, you you had the big muscles, the Hulk Hogan's and Sting, and and then you had Dusty Rhodes. And he was just, <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't remember who said it, but he was a, a fat white guy who talked like a black woman. <laughs> And somehow got over with the fans, and he was a fan favorite. He was just a unique individual, and uh, I, I was sad to see it. Yeah, and there's there's a couple of different kinds of wrestlers, and, and there's that balance. There's the the guys that are just amazing in the ring and just do some extraordinary athletic things. There are others that you put the microphone in the hand, and they sell tickets, and they get the crowd going. 
and a conversation of the greatest wrestler ever on the microphone has to include Dusty Rhodes because you, when he would get going, he I, and I saw him get crowds just just beside themselves just by talking. And before Hulk Hogan, before there was The Rock, before there was John Cena, there was Dusty Rhodes. And uh, I, I don't think there will ever be another. But he was uh, he was one of the the pioneers of wrestling and stayed in the business. And uh, I think he did some, some, some teaching and some coaching and I think he did a little bit of uh, promoting also uh, in his later years, but uh, gone at the age of 69. So uh, rest in peace. Um, so some news from today, Doug. boy, Max Scherzer. Uh, what, what do you make of what he did today? Complete game flirted with a perfect game, gave up one hit, one walk, struck out 16 Wow, not a lot of people have done what what Max Scherzer did today. No, but you know he's one of those pitchers that every time he goes out there, you know he's got that type of stuff, and it it you know the move to the National League is is doing things for him that I think his numbers are going to be at all time career bests. I don't think we're going to see too many bumps along the way. You know, it, it's it's not too much of a surprise to see a game like that coming from him. Right. And uh, the big news, I think, this week, or there was kind of a theme this week, which was call-ups. Some of the elite prospects were called up to the majors this week. Carlos Correa is already serving notice in Houston that he is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Have you have you seen him play yet, Doug? Uh, I've, I've seen a few at-bats, and I, I know that he's for real and can pretty much do everything that you'd want on a baseball field, playing this position of shortstop as well. It's the, not too much more you can ask for. And uh, the guy who is reckoned to be the top prospect in all of baseball was just called up, talking, of course, about Byron Buxton. Went straight from double-A to the major leagues. He's 21 years old. And today he went over for four, struck out twice. Uh, I would say if you own Byron Buxton to get used to that theme. And uh, what what do you make of, of Buxton, Doug? It seems to me to be a little bit early for him. What do, what do you think? Well, you mentioned the strikeouts, and but one of the things you know when we see these prospects come up, if you're talking about a Joey Gallo or a Chris Bryant, they've really put up numbers in the minor leagues over a, an extended period, Buxton's right. been hurt so much that really he's never had incredible numbers over, you know, more than a month or two at a time. So I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if he can translate what he's done in short spurts in the minor leagues and do it on a regular basis in the major leagues. Yeah, and when he was called up, he was batting two eighty three, six home runs, 12 triples, and 20 steals. So the speed, obviously, is going to play right away. I'm concerned about the swing and miss rate. On June the 4th, he was batting just two fifty six. So, and he went on, on quite a tear over the last eight or ten days. So he was two eighty three when they called him up. But, again, has never played – any at AAA, and in his career, he had this year he had 51 strikeouts and 237 at bats, and over his career, 233 and 1,014. That comes out to roughly 130 to 140 over 600 at bats. 
So he's going to swing and miss a lot, but the speed is going to play right away. A, a little bit, I'm a little bit concerned at this point about the batting average. Will he? Will the, the tools make uh, produce the numbers? Don't know. I, I think he might be a little bit of a drag on your batting average, but the speed is going to play right away. So if you're in the in the uh, need of stolen bases, he's definitely somebody you should take a look at if he somehow is sitting out there in your waiver wire. Last guy to talk about, Doug, Francisco Lindor up with the Cleveland Indians. This is a guy absolutely an elite glove. Is the bat going to play in the majors? Well, I think that's where sometimes when you see prospect rankings, and we don't look at prospect rankings for fantasy baseball, Lindor is going to be a decent – he's going to be a good shortstop to have in fantasy but he's not the level of prospect in fantasy baseball that he's in real baseball. A lot of his value is tied to his glove. He's going to steal some bases. He's got a little bit of pop that I don't see translating right away. So I think right now you're just kind of looking at a at an average shortstop if he if he does what he does in the minors. So there's every chance I see here is that there's not a big upside right away, and there's a chance that he doesn't you know adjust right away. So it, you know I think you go get him if if he's on your you know on the waiver wire. But I don't, I don't think you throw all caution to the wind and spend your whole budget on them. Specifically, that are closing in on a return. Jose Fernandez kind of got roughed up in his first rehab appearance. His second rehab appearance, very sharp. Five shutout innings. Again, pitching at high A, walked one, struck out four. Doug, though, I want to talk about the, the kid that was pitching against him that night. And I'm talking about a young man named Jacob Faria from the Charlotte Stone Crabs, is uh, a raised prospect, of course. Now, high A, he's 21 years old, but the night he pitched against Fernandez, he threw seven innings, gave up six hits, three, uh, struck out three, no earned runs, uh, didn't give up a run. In fact, his line is 10-1 and one with a 133 earned run average, 0.98 whip in high A. Obviously, not somebody, unless you're in a real deep dynasty league, not somebody you're taking a look at for fantasy purposes yet. But, uh, Doug, I think we can rest assured that there are some nice prospects coming down the line for the Rays, don't you think? Well, it seems like the Rays, for the Rays, you don't have to be a nice prospect. Just get called up, and somehow <laughs> they're going to turn you into a pitcher who can do pretty decent things. Uh, how, how they've yeah. done what they've done this year, I have no idea. Yeah, it's 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 hard to imagine, especially because their pitching staff has just been decimated. But some help is on the way, and I actually got out to see Matt Moore pitch in Dunedin on Tuesday night. A little bumpy in the first couple innings, threw a lot of pitches, a lot of foul balls hit against him. Didn't have the the, the usual sharpness. He wasn't putting these guys away like I thought. But four innings pitched, gave up no runs, looked uh, looked good, closed with two really strong innings. Uh, I think last I heard, Doug, they were talking about uh, maybe the Fourth of July to the All Star break sometime in that is that in that range. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, I've heard. You know, I heard someone saying it could possibly only be two more starts. It's not like mm-hmm. the Rays to do anything rash. They're very cautious. Um, right. If it happens that quickly, I'd be a little bit surprised. The thing with Moore, if you remember the the last full season he pitched in 2013. His 
his numbers were actually better, I think, than how he looked when you watched him. You know, the ERA, the wins were nice, but it wasn't always pretty. And I'm wondering if that was related to any issues he was already having with the elbow. Um, so it's going to be interesting when he comes back if he resembles that the dominating pitcher he was we saw as a rookie or the kind of good but a little bit shaky at times pitcher we saw, you know, in 2013. Right. There were there was a moment in time that we saw an ace of potential with sure, uh, yes. Matt Moore. Whether that ever develops, don't know. Big injury news this week, Doug. And we, we, oh, what, what, wait, but wait, that, that's not the red phone, is it? It is the red phone again. Let me uh, let me go and answer oh, that. Boy. All right, get that. While Doug is answering that, let me tell you folks that you're listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, along with so-called fantasy experts co-founder, Doug Anderson, who is on the phone right now. Doug. Hey, this time I remember to actually hang up the phone before uh, it stopped ringing before he answered. Uh, Matthew Modica, are you on the line? Yes, I am. I'm here, guys. Well, hello there. Folks, we are pleased to welcome into the Cyber Studio a man who enjoyed a decade-long career on Wall Street and then embarked on a second career in film production while living in Los Angeles and Hawaii. He is currently the author of the 2015 Starting Pitching Index at ctmbaseball.com, and he is a high-stakes fantasy enthusiast and also a very valuable contributor at socalledfantasyexperts.com. Please say hello to Mr. Matthew Medica. Matthew, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Oh, great. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, just uh, finished still watching this Dodgers-Padres game. That seems like it's never going to end. <laughs> Isn't it great to be talking about baseball while you're watching baseball at the same time? It's just it's, it's, it's quite the multitasking experience. Matt, I want to ask you something real quick before we get started. I, when I was reading your, your bio about uh, having a, a career in Wall Street or a background in Wall Street, are you familiar with a book by Jonah Carey called The Extra 2%? Yes, I am familiar. I have not read it, though. I hear it's a great book. Yeah, a recommended read, and, and uh, it's it, 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 we really did kind of pull the, the Wall Street strategies into what um, – uh, um, what's uh, Stein? Uh, good grief! Uh, uh, the, the owner of the race, help me out here. Sternberg, Stuart Sternberg. <laughs> Stuart Sternberg, yeah, <laughs> yes. And Silverman and Friedman did when they took the race back in 2008 to the um, uh, to the top of the league, and it's uh, it is quite an interesting read. So uh, yeah, definitely uh, definitely recommended. Tell us, uh, Matthew. Tell us a little bit about what you got going on at both CTM Baseball and uh, so-called Fantasy Experts. Uh, I'm pretty much getting ready. I should have it out tomorrow. I should be finished with my uh, weekly picture uh, blog that I do over there. It's so-called fantasy experts. Do some rankings, mention some names. Uh, every week I try and change it up a little. Sometimes it's by low or maybe guys that are overrated, something that we can talk about tonight. And uh, over at CTM Baseball, I'm currently working on the uh, mid-season version of it and hoping to have it actually out. Uh, as an ebook for uh, the uh, the 2015 Sunday Pitcher Index went over very well. This one I'm still going to put out for free for 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 the mid season, and you know, for the, for those who are going to stay entrenched in baseball, maybe it'll be useful for the second half. Yeah, and that website is c t m as in Mike Baseball dot com, right? That is correct. All right, fantastic. 
Uh, gentlemen, before we get started, and, and Doug, I, I know you'll join me in this one. I do want to give one real quick shout-out to one of our local players who was drafted by the Seattle Mariners in round nine in the, uh, the recent MLB draft, Connor Hale, a graduate of Mitchell High School, Doug. Uh, third baseman at LSU was uh, drafted by Seattle in round nine. Uh, is going to be signing, I'm sure, there in the College World Series right now. But uh, congratulations to to Connor Hale. Doug, did you ever get to see any Mitchell games or not? Uh, not yet. My son's going to actually be going there in a few years. So he he uh, it, you know just a little bit uh, what yeah. east of us. So it's exciting. I know they've had some pretty good players come through there. Yeah, I got to get out and see Connor play one night um, when you remember they they had the. Um, and, and Matthew, I don't know if you remember this or not. They had the high school pitcher. His yeah. name was Patrick Schuster. He threw like four straight no hitters. And and they, they had ESPN was out there and everything covering his his next one. And that was Mitchell High School. And Connor played on that team. So it was uh, that was my first uh, my first look at Connor Hale. And uh, looks like a good ball player. And obviously Seattle thought so for uh, for taking him in round nine. So congratulations and and good luck to him. Uh, gentlemen, tonight we are going to be talking about undervalued pitchers, or pitchers specifically that their numbers right now, not really what we expected. They're kind of disappointing, not good fantasy uh, producing numbers at all. But there are some indications based on some advanced metrics where they may be performing a little bit better than what those numbers would show. Doug, I'm going to throw it over to you. Talk a little bit about FIP, F-I-P, and how you use it. Well, I, I think with hitters, people have kind of caught on that you stick with them and the numbers are going to be pretty much what you expected by the end of, the end of the season. But with pitchers, people are quick. They know the damage that a starting pitcher who continues to get rocked can do. People are quick to jump off board with pitchers. And so one of the ways, one of the advantages I think you can gain in season-long fantasy baseball is don't just look at that ERA take a look at the other metrics, other peripherals, and you can tell get a better picture of what that pitcher is really doing. So FIP is fielding independent pitching. It tries to eliminate a lot of factors. I, I don't know how long ago it is now, but a guy named Voros McCracken basically figured out that once the ball leaves a pitcher's hand, they don't have a whole lot of control over what happens. So what FIP does is basically they try to take some of those things and kind of toss them out and look at the things that a pitcher controls and FIP is a measure, one way to measure what their ERA, a more true picture of what their ERA could or should be. There's some other ones like XFIP and Sierra that, you know, we can argue about. I think XFIP, Sierra might be more useful looking into a new season, but in season, FIP's a pretty good indicator of what their ERA would be if what their true value is, put it that way. Right, now, Matthew, can you add anything to that or expound on anything that, that Doug said in regards to how you use FIP? Uh, yes. Actually, not just with FIP. I think Doug pretty much hit, hit the nail on the head with FIP. But I do like to look at the XFIP as well. I think that's a valuable tool. And two other things I like to pair with FIP and XFIP is K percentage and K to, walk, uh, K to walk percentage as yeah. well. I think those are very valuable tools. And those can really make you, if you put those four together, I think you really get a, a great baseline on how a pitcher is pitching. And like you said, the ERA today, we don't really use it as much. I mean, I know in fantasy that's what's going to count. 
But if you want to see who's really like an ace, I'll always look to see who has a K percentage of 25% or higher, a KBB of 20% or higher. And, I mean, you can really – those are foundations. And when you incorporate that with FIP and XFIP, I think you really come away with a very good foundation. Yeah, and, and it's important for everybody to realize, at least, and I can speak for me on this, and gentlemen, feel free to chime in. When we're getting ready to do projections or predictions or whatever you want to call them, sleepers, breakout players, undervalued players, what have you, those kind of things are, are what you look at. You don't just look at the numbers because, Matthew, you make a great point. ERA, you take the, the old story of the relief pitcher who comes in with two guys on base, gives up three singles, then finally gets the third out. Okay, he just pitched a third of an inning. His ERA is zero, but he got rocked. So it, it's not a really accurate measure of how, how well that pitcher is pitching. But it, it, can you all concur that when we're doing projections or, or looking forward, that these are, these are uh, stats that we definitely use, uh, Matthew? I think that it's imperative to, to use these stats now especially with uh, pitchers. And I don't care, you know, Clayton Kershaw, we've seen Felix got lit up on Friday night. Please don't say his I name. Mean, <laughs> 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 I, I mean, honestly, like, Felix is a guy, I mean, unless you hear he's having, you know, velo problems or there's a hint of injury, you have to stay with Felix, and he's a guy you should be looking to possibly buy, in my opinion. Right. I mean – He's just—he's been a guy year in and year out. That's been a blue chip that's returned, you know, turned returned incredible profit for you year in and year out. So, right. well, Doug, we're going to start off with a guy that I know you liked an awful lot at the beginning of the year, as did I, as did an awful lot of experts. We were—he uh, was being projected to be one of the breakout pitchers uh, of this year, based largely on what he did in the second half of last year. This year, it's not been going so well for Carlos Carrasco, but you see, you think there's hope there. Talk to me about it. I certainly do, but first of all, if either one of you use the F word again of that pitcher in Seattle <laughs> that you're talking about, I will pull the plug on you very quickly. Um, yeah, I, I used him in the Tout Wars Daily and some of the big tournaments on Friday, and it was a, you know, a, he was on the road, but... That guy, I almost said his name, sorry, the Hernandez pitcher from Seattle, he actually has a lower ERA on the road over his career. So he's on the road facing a team that strikes out a ton. Great matchup mm -hmm. for DFS, and he does yep. that to me. So um, we'll probably put some kind of decree out that his name will not be used on so-called fantasy experts ever again <laughs> and, and, until he redeems himself at least. But uh, yeah. Carlos Carrasco, yeah, coming into this year, you know, <laughs> people don't want to trust second half, half numbers. He had a nice run in the second half uh, against, honestly, some less than stellar competition. So probably he wasn't going to repeat those numbers. But right now, just to kind of paint a picture of what he's done, you know, his ERA is sitting at 4.38. you got a FIP, though, that's at 2.67. And I don't think there's any reason we shouldn't believe that. You know, the strikeout, the K per nine is there. It's over 10. Uh, he's only walking 2.19 hitters per nine innings. Uh, you want to look at another key number that might help us with some predictive value? BABIP, 342. That's not normal for any pitcher. 
and it's definitely not normal for a pitcher with the kind of stuff Carrasco has. For me, this might be the most, the best sell buy you can make because I think he's still a fantasy ace, and I think he's uh, possibly a top ten starting pitcher. What do you think, Matthew? Is Carrasco someone we need to chase? Uh, I I definitely agree with Doug on that, and I think as his fifth highlights, he's pitched much better. And Doug uh, pointed out the Babbitt. But then if you if you add in the K percentage and the case uh, to walk percentage, he and his XFIP, he's pretty much in line with Garrett Cole, uh, Jacob Degrom, two guys who are killing it this year. And I mean, I, I think he's an arm if you can possibly get. There's, there's some person that's fed up with that four plus ERA. You know, I would I'd be all over it. Yeah, at the very least, and you guys both make a great point, at the very least, he's going to give you the strikeouts. So you, you may get a bumpy outing now and again. But we saw with Carrasco in the second half of last year just what this guy can do. And he's somebody that everybody was kind of sitting around waiting for because the stuff was just so good and he hadn't put it together. So maybe the, the buy-low opportunity is is getting short. And if he strings together a couple, three really solid dominant starts, you're not going to be able to get him low. So somebody that you might want to chase. Matthew, talk about the next guy on our list. And this is somebody that, I'll be honest, I liked him a lot at the beginning of the year because what he showed last year, he's still a very young pitcher, showed a great strikeout pitch, talking about Drew Hutchison from the Toronto Blue Jays. Are we still a believer? Uh, I am still a believer, and I actually have no choice but to have to believe (laughs) in my – in some of my biggest leagues, I own Drew Hutchinson. Yeah. And what's crazy about him is he pitches very well at Rogers Center and is atrocious mm-hmm. on the road. Uh, I think he has like a 2.72 earned run at home and an ERA of nine or over on the road. So, I mean, that's a little confounding there. You would think escaping uh, Rogers Center would be a good thing, but... <laughs> Not the case. So, I mean, he does have the talent. I mean, his talent, you just sometimes with pitchers, you got to hold on. And in like 15 team leagues, you know, if you believe and you, you do see signs, and he's pitched much better before the start at Boston where he was totally blown up. But, Doug, uh, what do you think about Drew Hutchison? You believe in? I'm a believer that he can be a useful pitcher in pretty much any kind of league. I'm not necessarily a believer that at one point I thought he could be more than a number, you know, number four, number five type fantasy pitcher. But, you know, eventually you've got to kind of, uh, you've got to do it for an extended period. I remember, you know, we're talking about FIP, and I'm a big believer in FIP, ex-FIP. There's a pitcher a few years back, if you remember, Javier Vasquez. All of his peripherals said forever that he was practically an ace, but season after season, he was just pretty good, and he kind of what Hutchinson does. Now, at the end of his career, he put together some pretty ace-like seasons, so it could happen to Hutchinson, but eventually you got to kind of cash, cash in on it. With Hutchinson, though, I think it's going to be a trend we'll see. You look at the BABIP again, which probably ties in heavily to FIP, 330 BABIP. Not going to happen. Hutchinson's got good stuff. The ballpark, whether he pitches better in, in Rogers Center or not, uh, the ballpark can't help. But you got to think the wins are going to be on the way with the way the Blue Jays score runs. Yeah. Now, the next guy on your list, Doug, is somebody that, to be honest, I'm not a fan of Clay Buckholz. See, what can you tell me that's going to convince me that this is somebody I need to go after? Well, you know, 
I think you have to look with Clay Buckles. There's pitchers where one year you watch them and you're you're sure that they're going to be an ace, and then the next year you know they get rocked. Well, Clay Buckles is that guy. A couple of years ago, he was an ace, and he you know I was all over him last year. I think thought people need to believe, and then he threw up a clunker. But right now, if you look at what he's doing, the K percent K per nine is over nine, so he's striking out over batter inning. Batter inning. He's not walking anybody. So the strikeout to walk ratio is good. The strikeout percentage is good. The BABIP is 344. Now, with that said, I'm not plugging in Clay Buckles every game. I'm watching which teams he's playing. If the team's got a strong offense, you know, I'm going to sit Clay Buckles. But I think you're going to see a lot better numbers from here on out. What do you think, uh, Matthew, about uh, Mr. Buckholtz? Uh, Doug sounds like he's a fan. I will tell you I am most certainly not a fan. Uh, which of us is out of his mind? <laughs> I think it's a little of both, Chris. If you look at all his numbers, everything points to him being a better pitcher than he's shown. But I go back to the circle of trust, and putting Clay Buckholtz in is a very, very risky proposition. <laughs> <laughs> at the least. He has made some improvements with some of his pitchers, and we've seen the talent in the past, so he's a little tantalizing in that aspect, but he's still not in my circle of trust. As long Especially as his hair listening. is that greasy, I think he could uh, he can be you know an effective <laughs> pitcher. There's a lot greasy of foreign hair. stuff that, that's going it? on here. Do, do they have a, a sabermetric stat for uh, for greasy hair or not? <laughs> no, but sometimes you have to look past the uh, past the stats, and you know there might be a little of that stuff getting on the ball. Who knows? It's not Actually, I believe it was in Toronto. We had the suntan lotion on his arm that Jack Morris pulled him out for. <laughs> yeah. <for>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not that's not grease in his hair. That's a combination of sunscreen and pine tar. Right? Is that what that is? <laughs> Folks, you are listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, along with so-called fantasy experts co-founder Doug Anderson and Matthew Modica of ctmbaseball.com. We are talking by low pitchers tonight, specifically as related to FIP versus ERA. Matthew, the next fellow I want to talk about on the list is uh, from uh, – I always like going for – teams that are kind of below the radar. In Buckholtz's case, guys like Buckholtz, Joe Kelly, Porcello, they're all, you know, the Red Sox. Everybody sees the Red Sox four times a week on on the national broadcast. But I'm going to talk about Trevor May for a second. A lot of people may not even have heard of Trevor May, but his, his internal metrics are showing some pretty good numbers. What do you think? Is this somebody we might want to take a chance on? I think Trevor May is somebody in uh, deeper leagues you do want to take a chance on, especially considering the Twins' rotation. I'm not really a fan of their rotation, but his uh, his K percentage is almost a 21 percent. His uh, K's to walks is at just over 16 percent, above league average. I thought he might end up being a bullpen arm, but I think right now he's. I mean, his FIP is up 280, so that's showing you he's he's pitched better than his ERA. And as I said, considering the options, I mean, I think Mike Pelfrey's a major fraud. Yep. I may have some bias <laughs> being a Mets fan, but I mean, and I even thought, uh, who's the guy for Phil Hughes was way yep. overrated coming 
into yeah. this year. That was a clear year last year. <laughs> so I would roll with Trevor May, considering the options. Yeah. You know, Minnesota. Now, Doug, and you recall we did an article back way during spring training about spotting a sleeper and how to spot a sleeper. And one of my favorite things to do is look for those teams like not really so much Kansas City this year because they're a little more high profile, but Minnesota, the Rays, uh, the Diamondbacks, the Astros. These are teams that are not in the national spotlight. And you can have – but see, their players' numbers count too in fantasy baseball – so is Trevor May somebody that's going to fit that category that's kind of off the radar but is somebody that could really help you a long way toward winning your league? Well, I think one of the things you look for is sometimes these pitchers come from out of nowhere and they have some success. And, you know, have they done it before anywhere? Was Is there any kind of pedigree? Trevor May at one time, in the not-too-distant past, was a pretty respected prospect, pitching prospect. He came through the Phillies organization. I actually had a chance to see him in Clearwater one or two times, I think. And uh, if you look at his strikeout numbers early in his career, you know, you're talking 11, 12, you know, 12 strikeouts per nine innings. I don't care where you're pitching. It's, you've got some stuff. He's had control problems. So the one thing that worries me right now is I see that in in the major leagues, he's walking 1.72 batters per nine innings. He's never came close to that in the minor league, so that does worry me. But the pedigree's there, so to me, you know, he's got the stuff. At one time, people thought he could be the, one of the better pitchers in baseball. He's pitching in a good hitter's park, and the offense, the Twins' offense, is actually doing pretty well. Um, I think he's someone you can use. You know. Matthew talked about the trust factor. Do I have a full trust factor with him? No, but in mixed leagues, he's probably readily available in a lot of leagues. And I think if you have one or two ace-like pitchers, you can kind of string things together after that. And Trevor, with pitchers like Trevor May, I think you can make it happen. Well, absolutely. And and Doug, now here's somebody that's next up, and, and this is somebody Matthew was talking about uh, a few minutes ago about you kind of cringe whenever you run Clay Buckholtz out there. Whenever I have to count on Gio Gonzalez to to give me a real good quality start, you just never know what you're going to get out there. You may get a two-hit shutout, or he may walk six guys in the first two and two-thirds. Um, convince me that Gio is worth investing in because he's one of your buy-low guys. Talk to him. Well, you know, and now what we're talking about on this list is not necessarily all pitchers that I think are buy low guys. These are pitchers <laughs> where the peripherals, you know, they point. I don't use FIP as some kind of, okay, I'm buying low on that guy. I use it as yeah. kind of an alert, you know, okay, an alert. All right, the FIP is a lot lower. I need to look deeper. Gio Gonzalez, I don't think we need to really look at anything specific this year. We just need to look at his career. So he could – Go on and win 10 games from here out and strike out another 120 hitters. Or he could have a mid-four ZRA. So I don't think, you know, I think with with Gonzalez, it matters where you're at in the standings. If you have a lot of room to make up in strikeouts and you have some, some points to gain in pitching, I think you take the gamble on him. But if you're up in the standings and your pitching numbers are solid, I don't think you take that risk. So, you know, it, by he, he's he's a roll of the dice, and I think that's his career. And so I don't think all of these guys necessarily are by low. I think using FIP is a way to target some or to alert yourself to some good possibilities. 
Yeah, Matthew, now, Gio Gonzalez is in kind of my nightmare rotation with Edinson Volquez, <laughs> Ubaldo Jimenez, and Annabelle Sanchez. These these are guys that whenever they go out there, I am just like, what am I what am I going to get today? <laughs> am, am, am I going to get, you know, what we saw out of Scherzer today, or are we going to get what we saw out of <clears throat> that pitcher in Seattle a few days back? Thank you, Bob. Talk to me about – you're very welcome. Talk to me about Gio, uh, Matthew. Is this somebody that maybe we can target that people have maybe given up on? Well, I would target Gio for various reasons. First one being is I don't see the pitching pool as being that deep as everybody was, you know, preaching in the preseason. I mean, when you know, once you get to 50, I mean, even a top 50, it's pretty difficult to come up with, in my opinion. And I think Gio, everybody gets caught up on his 2012 season, which was his career year. But I think Gio is very useful. He is trading ground balls this year for strikeouts, but he still is striking out people. The end. Matthew, are you still there? Oh, I think it sounds like something started. fell on him. <laughs> yeah, we. we... We we seem to be having a run of this on the show. Every time we bring a guest on, they get dropped out for some reason. It's, yeah, well, you uh, know, with, with Ganos last week, it was his uh, cell phone issue, I think. With that, Matthew, it sounded like <laughs> something fell on him. I'm a little worried it's like the old Bugs Bunny cartoons or the Roadrunner where things fell on Wile E. Coyote, and it sounded a little like it hurt. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's, uh, let's hope not. Uh, we'll, we will wait for Matthew to call back. In the meantime... Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I- Oh, there we you go. guys there? I apologize. Yeah, I guess absolutely. I Are you all right? I put it on hold for a second. I was getting a call. And uh-huh. apologies. I guess I was talking to myself. Uh, uh, Gio Gonzalez Gio, was the top. Real quick. Uh, I think he's a solid number three. He could be a solid number three for you. He'll never be a one or a two. But he's got a 56% ground ball rate. And his BABIP right now is at almost 360 so, I mean, that should improve. His left-on-base percentage is just under 70%. That could improve. I mean, I think there's a lot to like here. Ex-FIP, uh, FIP. So, I think there's a lot of encouraging signs, you know, and I think he'll be solid number three. Now, Matthew, talk about a guy that I, I think the buy-low window, if it's not already closed, it's getting really, really close. And he had a Decent outing today, nothing special, but Corey Kluber, of course, the breakout from last year. And even though he started slowly this season, there were an awful lot of people saying, well, wait a minute, not so fast. There's, there's, He's pitching better than the indicators would, or the numbers would tell you. If you can still swing a deal for Corey Kluber, obviously, is it a good idea to do that? Uh, if you can get Corey Kluber, I think it's an amazing idea to get him. Uh, I mean, he's pretty much at the top in every metric that I look at for pitchers. And I, he, he's a guy that's become a horse. I thought maybe, I mean, I thought he was going to pull back a bit this year. And I think Seymour had him maybe at a 320 ERA projection, which I didn't think was crazy. I mean, last year he had a season for the ages. And that September was astronomical. So I'm all in on Kluber. Doug, what do you think? You uh, you all about Corey Kluber? Yeah, I, you know, I, depending on what type of your league you're playing, I can't see him being available at too much yeah. below regular cost. Um, you know, 
nobody strings together too many starts with 12 plus strikeouts, even Chris Archer here in Tampa. But, uh, you know, Corey Kluber is one of the best pitchers in baseball, and I, I don't think he's fallen back anywhere too much. Now, talk about a guy, Doug, that I know you liked a lot at the beginning of the year, as did I, and Michael Pineda in New York. Kind of hit a rough patch of road lately. Can you take advantage of that? Because actually he was on the the under, if I recall, he was on the undercard the day that the the fellow in Seattle had his uh, (laughs) blow up. Um, can you take advantage of that? Maybe expound on on the whole FIP to ERA relationship here. Can you expound on that that blow up that Pineda had, and maybe swing a deal at a at a bargain price for this guy now? Well, I think you can. I don't think you're going to you know rob anybody for Michael Pineda because you know most people who've been playing fantasy baseball they know the type of stuff he's got. But I don't think they realize right now what he's doing. You're talking about a caper nine, ten point seven. You're talking about 1.67 walks per nine innings. That's um, not too shabby. So he's not putting on base runners. You know, he's not – he's striking batters out. The fit, uh, the BABIP, I'm sorry, another case, 352. People are not going to hit 352 with the type of stuff that he has. I imagine what you're seeing, kind of like the Carlos Carrasco starts. I've watched a lot of Carrasco starts, and, and you see guys like Miguel Cabrera – you know, getting busted on the fist and looping singles into right field. And, and uh, Victor Martinez, I know the one game with Carrasco, the same type of thing. Pineda, you know, you're going to get some bloopers and stuff like that. And f- at points, they don't go your way. But nobody's going to hit 352 off this guy. And eventually, as long as he stays healthy, you're going to reap the huge rewards, not just what he's doing right now. Now, Matthew, if I were to come to you with a deal for Pineda, I would first of all, I would probably send you the stat line that he posted there a few in his last start, and I would also remind you that he's never really pitched a full season in the major leagues without getting hurt. So, it, you know, it, it's 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 time. There's something bad is going to happen with this guy, and this start that he just had—that's just the beginning of of what always seems to happen to Michael Pineda. If I were to throw something at you like that, would you buy it? Uh, I would want to buy. I would. I would be a buyer of Michael Pineda. I understand he's only two innings away from what he accomplished last year, but he's got a 51% ground ball rate. His velocity is back at 92, and he he pretty much is. I mean, you're always going to have to worry about health with him, but you have to you have to make educated risk at times. And I think betting on him right now would be an educated risk. I, I think his his peripherals are dynamite. I'd want him. I'm not saying he's an ace, but I'd put him at a number two. Folks, you are listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, along with so-called fantasy experts co-founder Mr. Doug Anderson and Matthew Modica of ctmbaseball.com. Tonight we are talking by low pitchers, taking a look at some advanced metrics at some pitchers that are actually performing better than their numbers would show and maybe giving you the uh, the insight that you need to try to swing a buy low deal on these folks while you still can. Now, um, a guy that was kind of baffling me, Matthew, pretty much at the beginning of the year and still is, is Jeff Samarja. 
Talk to me about what he's got going on right now. He's got a, a good uh, FIP ERA split, which tells us that he's actually pitching better than his numbers would show. But, boy, this guy, that was he was so good, and he's just been downright mediocre this year. What the heck is going on with Samarja? Uh, I, like many, were on the Jeff Samarja train heading into the year. And the main reason was he had transformed to a ground ball pitcher. He, had, he could strike batters out. And the problem this year has been is his ground ball percentage has taken a hit. His K percentage has taken a hit. But I'm still going to believe that this is a better pitcher than he's shown. And any improvements in those categories, you're going to get you're going to get a profitable pitcher. So I'm buying on Samaja. He's probably going to come at somewhat of a discount because I don't think his owner's been too happy over the first two and a half months. But these are guys, this is when you have to target guys. You don't target them when they're pitching it to a, a two ERA and, you know, striking out the world. All right. Doug, what do you think about Samarja? Well, I think a lot of this we could probably see coming. The move to the American League, so you're, you're most cases going to see a strikeout drop. So I don't think that's too surprising. If you look at the lineups in the American League Central, the Royals drive pitchers crazy. They don't strike out much, and they hack, and they hit. The Twins are a pretty good offense. The Tigers, Miguel Cabrera, it's a tough division, so he's pitching against a lot of tough offenses. Gets the American League East sometimes. So to me, it's not too surprising. Um, and when we're talking about that FIP differential, we're still talking about, you know, let's say he matches his FIP, you're still talking about an ERA in the upper three. So uh, to me, I think that's where he, that's kind of who he is. I wouldn't be surprised to see a, you know, a 3.6 from here on out. But he's that kind of pitcher where he's good, but he's not an ace. He's just a, a, a secondary pitcher that can help your team out. If you're looking for an ace, he's probably not that unless, you know, he signs in San Diego over the winter. Yeah, and somebody else that is pitching in a, a less than favorable park, and Doug, he signed a huge deal, and when I saw that deal, I was like, boy, oh, boy. You know, I, I've never thought of Rick Porcello as being an ace at all. He's another guy that's a that's a three, four, five, depending on the rest of your staff, but you, you, you've got him portrayed as a, as a pretty good um, ERA whip or ERA FIP split. Uh, is he somebody to invest in? Uh, no, <laughs> the the differential. Yeah, what it means is he's not as good or not as bad as he's looked. It doesn't mean he's not. He's a as far as a major league pitcher, Porcello is a. You know, he eats innings. He's a good major league pitcher, but we're not playing major league baseball. If we were, we probably wouldn't have a podcast because we'd have a lot more money. But Ricky Porcello, you're looking at a strikeout rate. I mean, it's up this year to 7.17, so he's actually helping fantasy owners more in that department. Last year, it was 5.67 batters per nine. So, you know, is he better than he's been this year? Yeah, but I don't I don't feel there's any kind of upside, no reason to reach and risk the damage that he can do because you're not going to get that big reward. What do you think, Matthew? You, you buy on that, or does Porcello have more upside than what we're thinking here? I, I thought coming into the season he was a back-end option. And like Doug said, his strikeouts are up. His ground balls are down. They've been improving lately. But the Boston Red Sox had this narrative in the offseason that improved defense and ground ball pitchers, and they were going to be such a better team. But he took Porcello out from the Tigers, 
And even though Comerica is considered neutral, the AL Central does have better parks. And now you're in the AL East, and I didn't like that uh, combination. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, going to ask you about a guy that, and I'll be honest with you, I owned him in just about every league. Uh, I watched him in the spring. I was so impressed, and I thought this was the year that Taiwan Walker showed us what all the fuss was about. Has not worked out that way. He's got a, a decent FIP ERA split, but even his FIP is 455. All right, I think we've lost Buck and Matthew. We're going to go on here talking about Taiwan Walker. Uh, yeah, Taiwan Walker is a young pitcher. The strong spring made me think that he was going to break out, but I don't think, you know, you have to watch a pitcher, and watching a p- the, Taiwan Walker in his next two starts, he just was not the pitcher that I thought he was. He was missing bats. You guys back now? I'm back. I'm back. There must be some hot key on the keyboard that knocks people off because I I was trying to type something and all of a sudden you guys left me out alone. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you hit the escape key or the exit or something like that? Maybe that was I don't it. know the, or the, or the, the delete key. The <laughs> don't hit the delete key, key. Whatever you do. <laughs> we were talking about Taiwan Walker and Matthew. It was uh, the ball was kind of in your court. What do you what do you think about Walker? The, a lot of hype around him, of course, and flashes of brilliance, per, with are punctuated by long periods of mediocrity. Do we still have a high ceiling with Walker, or is what we're seeing this year what we're going to get? Well, I think I think going forward, I would take a shot on him. Uh, I mean, I know it's a little tough watching some of his performances this year. Yep, but he does have talent. He is a young kid, and like everybody jumped on Danny uh, Danny Salazar last year, and that failed. But, I mean, if you look at Danny Salazar's peripherals right now, he's pitching like an ace. So I Mm -hmm. would – I mean, it all depends where you are in the standings, but he's an arm that I would take a shot at. And if you get a big second half from him or you get a nice one- or two-month stretch run, there is talent there. It hasn't translated, but there is talent. And Doug, you took Walker for a buck in the first Tout Wars X uh, monthly league. I know. Have you given up on him, or is there still something there for you? Well, while you guys were away for that short minute, I talked a little bit about it. Um, the strong spring had me excited. You know, he kind of discovered, found himself a little bit. But then after watching a few starts, he wasn't really putting the ball. You know, you'd see the catcher set up outside. He'd throw it inside. So the command isn't quite ready yet. But with that being said. You know, Matthew said take a shot. Well, if I'm going to take a shot on a pitcher, I want to take a shot on Taiwan Walker. I don't want to take a shot on Ricky Porcello because Porcello, right. the upside is he's he's helpful, doesn't hurt. The upside for a Taiwan Walker, if I can hold him on my bench, is that he could be a solid number three fantasy starter, you know, who's got the upside to do more. So if you're going to take your shots, give yourself some room to really profit. Yeah, what people forget about Taiwan Walker, because it seems like he's been around for, and, and Pineda is in this this category as well. He's younger than you think he is, and I think Walker is is he twenty three now? Twenty two. So he twenty two. So he, there's there is still there has to be upside there because that kind of stuff. The fact that you're twenty two years old pitching at the major league level at all is 
there's something to be said for that. So if I could uh, yeah, add, Walker, go ahead, go ahead, Matthew. Sure. Go ahead. Matthew, are you there? Uh oh, Doug, did you hit the Hello? delete button? I'm oh, here. there you are. Yeah, we lost you again. Yeah, go ahead. We, we didn't get we didn't get anything you said. That a lot of them don't do it. Yeah. So I think that's part of the problem as well. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk a couple, about a couple of guys now. Um, Matthew, by the way, we're we're going to be running a little bit past the hour. Are you able to hang around with us for probably another ten minutes or so after the hour? I'm here. I'm here. All right, Doug, you good? Yep, I'm good. Okay. Uh, Doug, going to send it to you on uh, what, a p- guy that was, boy, he just has a wicked slider, was really one of my breakout picks for this year. Somebody that I thought had, had shown an awful lot of potential, had seen him pitch out in Arizona, really, really liked Tyson Ross, has not really delivered the kind of numbers we thought he could, but the metrics are telling us there might be a little bit of hope, huh? Well, I would have him as one of my breakout pitchers for this year, but he already broke out. He was great last year. But I'm going to give you a little key to the reason why Tyson Ross, his numbers look a little uh, different right now. Tyson Ross, when he pitches on the road over his career, just a second here, pulling it up, on the road for his career, ERA 454. ERA at home, which is basically Petco, 276 now let's talk about 2015. Tyson Ross, 29 inning pitched at home, 46.2 innings pitched on the road. So most of his numbers are based on what he does on the road. So you're getting a kind of a up and down, a ah, little better than average pitcher. I would imagine the way the ske- if his schedule evens out, we're going to get more of the good Tyson Ross as the season goes on. So, oh yeah, yeah, it's about FIP, things like that. But also look at home road splits because uh, Tyson Ross is a very different pitcher. What do you think, Matthew? You buying that? Uh, oh, yeah, I'm pretty on board with what Doug had to say. I, I put out the starting pitcher index this year. I like Ross. I had reservations, and particularly because of his home road splits, I mean, his ERA is like two points higher or more on the road. His whip is crazy high on the road. So that, but he is a talented pitcher, and everybody was very nervous about he throws the slider almost 40%. But you do have a talented pitcher, and at this point in the season, he is a guy that I would uh, would invest in at the right price. Now, uh, Matthew, yeah, go ahead, Doug. Oh, you know, and they were talking about Tyson Ross throwing the slider so much and stuff. The thing is, you know, pitchers, the majority of them, if they're any good, they're they're injury risks. Go ahead and go get Mark Burley. He pitches every game every year. If you want to go get Mark Burley, go get him. He's not going to win you fantasy league. So you you know you're going to take some risks on pitching. If you do, you know, get pitchers who can produce fantasy numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, no offense, it's, Mark Burley. Leader. Well, he, well, yeah. <laughs> you don't get Mark Burley. Yeah. But Doug, what you just said, I totally agree on. And what I'm in the process of writing for the uh, midseason uh, index is with Chris Archer and his uh, slider usage is back up again, and it's over thirty percent. I think it's like thirty-four, thirty-three. And for a guy like him, it, it's making him a dominant pitcher, and I would continue to use it. I would not hesitate. I mean, maybe developing a changeup, more of the changeup, 
as as the season goes on will help, but he's he's killing it with the slider. I wouldn't change it. Yeah, that that, that whole term in, innings eater. I, I've always gotten a real kick out of that because it's like, okay, yeah, he's eating innings, but is it like eating rice cakes or something? You know, because you get the the, <laughs> the, the, the the Tim Hudsons of the world that yeah. Yeah, they went out there and boy, they did. They, they gave you, you know, 211 innings and struck out 135 guys. Uh, they make know, Jason Marquis. Yeah, Jason Marquis. Boy, he's a great innings eater. Yeah, he's got an ERA. He, he threw 220 innings and in ERA of 435 and a whip of 140. You know, I don't want that kind of eating. Yeah, exactly. He's a better hitter those than kind of <laughs> He's a better hitter than a pitcher. But a, a, a classic example of a guy that was a, a serviceable, good. Major league pitcher, for fantasy purposes, though, not so much. The low K rate and the high hit rate. Uh, talk about a guy, Matthew, that uh, another guy that I liked an awful lot. And I am kind of curious now here as we, we're going through here and, and we've, we've come across our second Chicago White Sox in uh, Jose Quintana, who's getting like no run support. But in, in Matthew, if you can, when you talk about Quintana, uh, I, I've noticed we've got – because we didn't talk about Wade Miley, but we've got one, two, three, four Boston Red Sox on here, and now we have our second Chicago White Sox. Is, does that say something maybe about the team defense behind them? Sox are unlucky. <laughs> They're I really unlucky. Think the Sox would be much better this year. <laughs> I mean, I, excuse me. The White Sox would be much better this year. Yeah, I haven't I haven't given up on the White Sox yet because I, I I just see some pieces that are there that I I think they can parlay in. But Quintana, they're not getting. I, I really like Jose Quintana. He's the kind of guy that just goes out there under the radar and gets you good numbers. But this year the numbers have not been there. But he has kind of started to turn it around. And to me, this is a guy that maybe you can make a move on because let's just say he gets back to his career norm, which is. 350, 360, his ERA is at 4.0 right now, that means he's probably going to pitch to about a, a math maybe an English major, about a 3.20 the rest of the way. Is that flawed logic, Matthew? I think that's a possibility. And I and I, I know we just talked about you don't want an innings eater, but he's coming off two consecutive years of 200 innings pitched. He is a good pitcher. He's never going to be a great pitcher, but he can help you. And like I said, I think better days are ahead. Uh, his FIP, his XFIP, better than his uh, ERA, and he gets ground balls pitching. You know, pitching at US Cellular, that is mandatory that you get ground balls. So I, I would buy on him, and he's not going to cost you anything. He's not going to be a guy that you know you're going to have to give up a lot for, especially right now. Right. Doug, talk about Quintana. You like him? Well, I think kind of Matthew kind of hit it at the end. It's you're not going to have to pay a lot of them. He could, in a mixed league, he could be a throw-in. In a mixed league, somebody might be tired of him. He might make it to the waiver wire in some leagues. And you know, at at the end of the year, he's not the type of pitcher I like. In that, there's not a whole lot of upside, but I, I do see the downside. So, but at the end of the year, you know, if you're chasing wins, chasing strikeouts, and you want eight starting pitchers in, on your lineup for a week, you know, he's a useful pitcher, and I think you can use him for that. Stream him when he's got good matchups. So. I think he's going to be very low cost and or no cost off the waiver wire. Now, he is useful. Now, Doug, talk to me about a guy that, uh, boy, a lot of people, another guy that people kind of looked at as a potential breakout this year and talking about Jordano Ventura. 
what what do you make of him? The 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 FIP ERA split is pretty good, but even the FIP is sitting at three ninety six. So that's that's not what people were expecting from him. Yeah, well, I, I think we'll see better from Ventura, but the, you know what what disappoints me with him is the stuff that you see is electric, and it, you know. Same thing like with a Carlos Martinez who seems to have put it together, but the stuff is there to be electric. And then you see the strikeout rate that he hasn't really learned how to use it. What I am encouraged by, though, is you know he's had some problems with control throughout his career. Right now we're looking at a 2.81 walks per nine. He's improved the control. I like to see that. Nothing's out of line with the BABIP. It's right. It's 298. So. I, a little bit of an unlucky un- uh, left on base percentage, but I think that 3.96, 3.76 of his xFIP, I think that's what he is. But that means he's got some good starts coming. Now, I, I just wish he would learn to finish off hitters, and we'd be talking about a pitcher with a strikeout rate that would be more worth my gamble. Yeah, and this is another pretty young guy, uh, Matthew. What uh, what do you think about Ventura? Are you buying him? The problem I'm having right now is I saw last night on Twitter, I forget who it was, but he's having some numbness in his hands and Uh, stuff. So that's that's a big concern. But as Doug said, his stuff is electric. It just isn't translating to how everybody's expectations are. And as you mentioned, he is still young. And I think he'll pitch better than what he's pitched this year. But it might be next year – the year going forward that he's really going to blossom. Well, he does I, need I, to mature as well. I don't know if you remember, but you, you mentioned that I didn't hadn't heard about the numbness in the fingers. But last year, I believe he had the same thing that um, Michael Waka in St. Louis was dealing with, where basically just some instability type in the elbow, in the bone, actual bone structure, I believe it is. So that makes me wonder if you know if that is still hanging around. It's a, and they said it was something that he might have to deal with for his career. So that makes me worry that there's more behind it. I'm I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, so maybe maybe exercise a little bit of caution. Yeah, Matthew. We um, when when I was out in Arizona this year, they they do a thing at this symposium called Factor Fluke, and they talk about a player that came out of nowhere. A couple of them this year, I think, were Josh Harrison. And uh, this particular guy, Colin McHugh from the Astros, just lit it up last year. Now, this year, he's got a, a pretty big ERA FIP split. What worries me here is that his FIP is sitting at 437. So kind of a two-part question here. One, are you buying? Two, does this tell us that what we saw from McHugh last year was a mirage? Well, as as a uh, Mets fan and somebody that saw the previous version of Colin McHugh pitch, I pretty much waited last year for him to blow up at some point. I didn't believe it. I don't care what what the numbers said. I was just like, I've seen this guy pitch. And then yeah. in my off-season research, I kind of became a believer in the guy. And it started off great. It's gone south. I think he is another pitcher who – Right now, whoever owns him is very sour. He's a better pitcher than he's produced. And the Astros has been a much better team than expected. So, I mean, I think there is things to like here with McHugh. It's just maybe recalibrating your expectations that you had coming into the season. So, I would, you know, I'd put him in as a, you know, high-end rest of the season. His high-end is a number three and a solid number four. 
What do you think, Doug? That sound about right to you? <laughs> well, it's funny because it's very familiar to kind of how I've seen McHugh. Uh, I didn't buy in last year. I thought it was a pretty big fluke. Um, I watched him in the beginning of this year, though, and he's got pretty good stuff, and he's got some strikeout stuff. I know his strikeout rate's not real high right now at seven per nine innings, um, and he's not walking people. 1.81 walks per nine. So you got that good combination going. A decent strikeout rate, nothing special. Uh, what I do see is that home runs per fly ball, basically, you know, for a pitcher, last year it was 9.5. That's a little low. It's hard to maintain that. This year I think it's at a little more realistic number. So, you know, if we're looking at the FIP is 4.37, the XFIP is 3.96, I think that's a pretty good picture of, you know, who he is. He's got a little more upside if he can, can string together quality starts. But he's a usable pitcher that outperformed what he is last year. Now, talk about another one of my guys that I, I just I always love Jordan Zimmerman because Jordan Zimmerman is one of those guys. He pitches in a very high profile rotation, so he again flies below the radar. You can get him for a bargain price, and he goes out there and puts up what until this year were really kind of ace level numbers. This year, not so much, and I've been scratching my head trying to figure out what's up with this guy. So, Doug, what what can you tell me? Give me a reason to believe in Jordan Zimmerman. Well, I don't think, you know, the, first of all, his ERA right now is 3.74. Uh, no, it's not what we've come to expect, but it's not like he's had a terrible year. Um, the FIP at 3.04, you know, that's probably where he's at, to be honest. I, You know, Zimmerman is a very a very, very good fantasy baseball pitcher. But, you know, for his career in the major leagues, last year he struck out over eight batters per nine innings, and that was a career high. You know, the the year before, 2013, he struck out 6.79. This year's he's at 6.08. So I think, you know, what we're seeing is just that he's a, a good fantasy pitcher. He's a better real baseball pitcher. We're looking at, at a BABIP of 337. So, it's just been a little bit of bad luck. He's pretty much the same pitcher. He's not a fantasy ace, but he's a fantasy, you know, a workhorse who helps you. He's an innings eater who eats the innings well. Yeah, he eats them, and it's like eating, you know, filet mignon or uh, <laughs> something something like that, you know, or what's that new double cheeseburger with the fried egg they got out there, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, <laughs> Matthew, Matthew Jordan Zimmerman, if if you can get him, this is a guy that, in in my opinion anyway, you might be able to swing a deal for because he's low profile to begin with, and he's underachieving right now. So you, if you're a believer in Zimmerman, you might be able to swing a deal for this guy. What do you think? Is it is it worth your while? Uh, I'm a believer in his track record and stuff. I mean, the, the thing that's perplexing with him is he was a guy traditionally that would trade strikeouts for contact. And he was very successful with that. And then last season, he got the strikeouts and really, you know, raised his status. And this year, the strikeouts are down, but even more concerning is his control is up a bit. And that's something that's kind of dangerous for him. But I would, he is a guy that I would target because he's a guy that right now is a bit discounted. I'm not saying he's getting him for nothing, but he is a little discounted from his norm. And people are going to say he's not going to give you strikeouts. So if you have a high strikeout team and you can afford to maybe uh, not you know, get someone that's not going to give you a K per nine, then he's a guy I would target. Now, the last two I want to talk about, and then we'll kind of kick it over to you guys, see if there's any, anybody else you want to talk about. 
and, and Matthew, talk about them together because these are guys that, that got off to kind of bumpy starts. But if, if you were able to swing a deal for them, congratulations. But I think the window of opportunity for Chris Sale and Clayton Kershaw has kind of closed because they're kind of starting to look like their old selves again. Is that pretty much how you see it? Oh, yeah, I see it that I mean, Kershaw, except for the disaster in the desert, which he also had in 2014, all his peripherals were outstanding. I mean, he was pretty much top of the, you know, he was still a great pitcher. And he's just a great guy. We're just honored to be able to watch him pitch over these past five years. And Chris Sale, when I first did my rankings, was my number two pitcher, then after he got injured in spring training, I dropped him to number five. And currently right now, him and Scherzer would battle for number two, in my opinion. <laughs> so I don't, think you're getting, I don't think you're getting either one, unless you're giving up a premium uh, stud bat. Right. I, I think any lingering doubt that might have been out there is, is pretty much gone. And, and Sale just hit a dominant outing against the Rays today. He Ran into some bad luck. He, he threw a cookie to uh, Ostrubel Cabrera, and Cabrera hit it uh, hit it in the left center field to basically win the game for the race. As Drupal Cabrera, and he came up. I was actually thinking, is he going to try to bunt? Because it was, it was <laughs> you know trying to try to get the get the runner over, and uh, not so much. Uh, Doug Sale and Kershaw, uh, not much chance with these guys, even though the the FIP ERA split is pretty good. Now you know what this list is. This list is. Uh, pitchers whose FIP was either .60 or higher than their ERA, or lower than their ERA. So all this is telling you is that if you have Sale or Kershaw, don't worry. They're they're the same pitchers they have been. Chris Sale didn't have a spring training, basically. So, you know, it took him a few starts to get everything. His mechanics, I imagine, are tough. He's a pretty tall pitcher with kind of a a, a weird motion. So he was probably working out kinks in his motion. And you got these guys, you just hold on to them. You know, all pitchers are human, even Clayton Kershaw and that one pitcher in Seattle that I don't quite yeah. want to say his name. <laughs> you know, they're human, so like, yeah. they're who they are. Yeah, they're who they are. I, I have noticed, though, Doug, you've got uh, – what have you got? you got 28 names on this list. There's four pitchers from the Red Sox and three pitchers from the White Sox in there. So maybe that, that does talk a little bit. I don't know what the, the defense situation is in Chicago right off the top of my head. I know the, the Red Sox are not the greatest defensive team in the world, and so maybe that that speaks a little bit to uh, to that split, where if you're you have a really really good defense behind you, you're not going to see that high ERA FIP split. But um, don't know. It just kind of struck me as odd that, that there was that much repetition with those two teams. Doug, anybody else you want to talk about that maybe is a buy low either ERA FIP split or maybe just even a gut feeling? Well, you know, just the uh, what you're looking for right now in the season is some kind of upside. There's usually at this point of the year, there's usable pitchers out there. I'm talking a 12-team mixed league. There's usable usable pitchers out there. So I'm just watching for some, you know, somebody who's got a good strikeout rate and has got that kind of potential. So right now, you know, you got Jose Fernandez coming back. You got Matt Moore coming back. Uh, I haven't heard any, any, any news on Corbin in Arizona. 
But, you know, keep an eye on pitchers like that. Maybe through the waiver wire, getting an injured pitcher coming back. Maybe it's like getting a free bonus extra number three fantasy starter. So I just say monitor that stuff. See what you can get upside-wise, you know, on the waiver wire. Matthew, anybody else you want to talk about? Uh, going on Doug's point about guys coming off of say, surgery or guys in the waiting, uh, Ivan Nova is about to come back, and all reports that I've heard about him have been excellent. And A.J. Griffin in uh, Oakland as well, as two just you know freebies you can get that might turn a nice profit in the second half. Good deal. Very much appreciate you joining us tonight, Matthew. Uh, please, before we sign off, would you tell everybody how they can keep up with you with Twitter, Facebook, uh, what have you? Oh, sure. On Twitter, it's at CTM Baseball. The website is ctmbaseball.com. And uh, I'm pretty much a baseball diehard all season long. <laughs> Good deal. Done before we sign off. And thank you, Matthew. I very much appreciate you being on. Doug, before uh, before we sign off, tell everybody how they can keep up with you. Oh, well, of course, you can keep up with me at RotoDaddy on Twitter. That's probably the best way. Uh, trying to stay a little more active on there. I get wrapped up in all the different jobs and everything, but trying to stay a little more active on Twitter. Uh, so shoot me some questions there. All right. And if you want to stay in touch with me, you can follow me on Twitter at Buck Davidson, B-U-C-K-D-A-V-I-D-S-O-N. Folks, that will just about do it for this week's episode of the Sunday Night Sandlot. We'd like to thank our very special guest, Matthew Modica of SoCalledFantasyExperts.com and CTMBaseball.com for joining us tonight. It was a pleasure to have him here in the Cyber Studio. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'd love to see you again next week. Until then, for Doug Anderson, this is your host, Buck Davidson, saying somebody start the team bus, do the post-game show. This one's in the history books. We'll see you next week, everybody.